Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Riley Nadler. Dr. Kathy Greenberg is here today, my esteemed host over all the years. And, you know, Kathy and I, we're always trying to focus on what are the tips, what are the tools, what are some of the key things that can help you be a better performer or can help your team be better performers. And today we're going to be talking with uh, Ramona Shaw. She's going to talk about managing our minds before we manage people. So really intriguing, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my esteemed uh, host, you know, author of nine books. And Kathy and I have a, a website that uh, we share, uh, www.emotionalbrilliance.com. And there you can get one of our free tools, 11 Reasons Why You Need Emotional Intelligence. So, Kathy, welcome today. Hey, Riley. I'm very, very interested in talking to Ramona because, well, as you know, we do a lot of work with organizations that are struggling not only to hire really great talent, but promote them. And this is going to be something that all of us are going to struggle with in the next couple of years because we're going to be on the receiving end of those young hires that are getting promoted sometimes in advance of their getting the experience they need and sometimes because we just need more talent out there. We see it uh, definitely in law enforcement, a lot of young people. Um, I actually <laughs> just had an experience this week, I had all my patio furniture stolen while I was gone from my Florida apartment, uh, to my Florida home oh, while I was uh, on the road. And um, had a young officer who was amazing who came to take the report and fascinating young, um, young man, uh, one year on the job and, uh, you know, taking um, a, a pretty advanced uh, report and continuing to follow up on this step. So one of the things that I really want to learn today, and hopefully Ramona will share this with us, is what are the indicators that we might be able to look at? You know, Rella, you and I having, you know, over 20 years of experience in emotional and social intelligence, we're considered experts at being able to use what we know as proven work-life strategies and assessments uh, between, you know, your array of, of, of books and my array of books and all the tools that we've come across through our memberships and through our College of Executive Coaching experiences and conferences, uh, being speakers and so forth, there is a whole discipline of thought process that young people are going through these days that may not necessarily fit the mindset of those of us who are in the hiring and promotion business. So I'm really excited today to find out more from Ramona on how we look for those behaviors, you know, what kinds of, uh, of things she's doing in the marketplace. I took a look at her website. It looks very, very interesting. And so that's where I am. You know, how do we deal with people who we can't yeah. even get eye contact from getting promoted? <laughs> that's my big question today. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll make sure that we ask Ramona a couple things as we just uh, get ready to dive into picking Ramona's brain. That's kind of one of the things I, I love about this, being an ongoing learner. Kathy, as you and I both are, is how do we pick people's brains and come up with a couple things? But it's so well – it's so – needed at this point, any kind of nuggets that we can get. You know, one of the things I've been saying as of recently, everything is more now. You know, there's more stress. There's more uncertainty. There's more emotionality. You know, the things that we know about, um, 47% of people are experiencing anxiety. Uh, 39% are angry. And 
75% of us feel we could use more emotional support. So we're hoping that, you know, this podcast can give people some ideas around the emotional uh, support. Um, and this whole idea of what are the few things that you could do more of, that's our whole concept of emotional brilliance, is oh, when you're in a tough situation, like you mentioned, Kathy, let's say, the new police officer, you know, what is he, how does he come across? What what are some of the competencies? What are, how does he show his emotional intelligence? You know, it's one, to get the information. Two, to probably let you feel more at ease. So let me introduce Ramona, and we'll zero in on the questions that we have for her. Um, what Ramona uh, talks about is we have 40 to 60% of high-performing uh, employees fail or under underperform when appointed as managers within their first two years. So that's uh, huge, and we'll get it to see what that situation is. And one of the things that she does say uh, is the organization is losing talent, and a big part of the reason is not receiving leadership training that they desperately need to succeed in their role. Uh, she runs the Leadership Accelerator. And that's a 12-week program that coaches first-time managers to be confident and competent leaders who deliver results and who people uh, love to work with. That's a huge thing. Do they love to work with? She's worked with organizations as Google and Twitch and Asana, Lionsgate, Dropbox. And then before becoming a coach, Ramona worked at Partners Group, which is a global private equity firm that has $125 billion with a B in assets under management and over 1,500 professionals across the 20 offices. So I imagine for Ramona, that was a big part of her learning and how she's taken that into her, her coaching uh, these days. So Ramona, welcome to Leadership Development News. Thank you so much for having me on the show. So Ramona, one yeah, of the things we'd like to, um, to, to start with is Tell us a little bit about some of the challenges uh, that you saw or are seeing that have brought you to focus on this as uh, as a part of your work, and and who has you know kind of been that background influencer that has pointed you to even look and be aware of these challenges? There's so much going on in the world right now. Yeah, that's so true. Um, and, you know, a, a big part of my work now was really seeded in my own experience as a first-time manager and and climbing the, the, the ranks in my leadership career and noticing the struggles that I had. I was naturally always interested in personal development and professional development, but there was also a big gap in my own awareness of what it really meant to lead and how much I had to shift my thinking, moving from a high-performing individual contributor into a leadership role. And the things that, you know, as we've heard Marshall Goldsmith sort of coined that phrase, and we hear this often, is the things that made me successful up until this point were not the things that made me successful as a leader. So I struggled for quite a bit. And then went on this journey to really dive in and trying to figure out how can I lead and do so well, but also enjoy that part of my work. Because I knew I was enjoying doing doing things and delivering results, but how do I enjoy, enjoy the people part? And how do I hire well and develop well and, and create a team that wants to work together, uh, you know, and, and, and create a healthy, good work environment? And so through that own journey, I realized, oh, my gosh, I love this work. And there is so much need out there. The more conversations I have with other people in similar shoes to mine, the more I realized how this is, this is something we all go through. In different, it comes in different shapes and forms. Um, but transitioning into leadership uh, and learning how to navigate this as we're as we're moving into the, the space where EQ becomes so much more important. And I love your concept around emotional brilliance and how that's become so much more important than IQ. Um, that's how my, this work in, in itself is sort of inspired or, or seeded and uh, how my company was, was built upon. 
And now I feel really grateful and passionate about the work I get to do and helping new leaders really learn those concepts and understand what they need to shift and what may be the root cause of some of the problems that they have, often around accountability, around lack of engagement, conflict, um, self-doubt and worry that they as leaders experience. And uh, instead of trying to be very, I mean, we all have to be tactical, tactical at times to give really tactical advice but also to really go a bit deeper and look at what are the root causes that, and this is where managing your mind comes into play of what's really going on underneath for you, but also potentially for your employees, that when you tap into that, it'll be so much more effective and it, it will be, you will become a leader that people will love to work with or work for. Well, thanks, Ramona. So um, before we kind of get into your program, it's great to hear about your kind of journey you know, as an individual performer to a team leader, um, you know, that is always very challenging. And, and Kathy, I know uh, when we've worked with people, often, you know, they're maybe in their 40s, 50s, and it's often been said, gee, I wish I would have learned these things earlier in my career because it's so important. Yeah. Before, we kind of, before we kind of get into that, give us a little bit about your background, like where you're from and any, any kind of influences you had from your from your your parents or who will have been some of your key uh, influencers? Yeah, uh, so I was born and raised in Switzerland, and you might pick up on my accent. Um, and today is Swiss National Holiday, so I feel particularly Swiss today. It's the Swiss National Holiday today, like 4th oh, of July okay. for Switzerland. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, I think, you know, growing up, my parents were both entrepreneurs. And I think one of the things that influenced me early on was my dad, um, who ran his own business. But what I realized and picked up was a hard work ethic, which actually served me well in many ways. But it also created, um, it, it led to situations down the road where I realized that just working harder and longer hours isn't give me better, isn't going to give me better results. The working smarter with people was actually was what was going to get me to the next level. That was one of the lessons I learned. But sort of this work work ethic that I had uh, picked up from my dad and um, wanting to have a bigger impact and wanting to support people, that's something that I picked up um, early on in my life. And then I say as I continued this um, this this journey of leadership development and professional development overall, there were a tremendous amount of influences. Uh, and it's interesting. I, hear, I heard you ask this question other guests before, and every time someone said something, it's like, oh, yes, I've done that too. I've gone from the more uh, big big room Tony Robbins conversations to, uh, to the landmark forums to a range of books. Um, I have some of, the, some of the leaders that you've had on your podcast as well that I – Learned a lot, Marshall Goldsmith, um, Sally Higginson um, as well. And oh. I want to say that uh, probably, and even, even going back into history, I look a lot into even philosophical concepts. And so Marcus Aurelius, um, even Seneca, sort of letters. Those old, timeless uh, philosophy are something that fascinate me as well. And actually influence me personally a lot, but also the work that I do. You know, Ramona, as I'm listening to you, I, I, I'm making a quick connection here uh, with uh, a recent trip I made to Ephesus uh, in Rhodes uh, on a mm-hmm. Greek tour that I just came back from. I was gone for 30 days. And, you know, the, the great thinkers, the great leaders uh, of the time in Ephesus, you know, they built on the ideals of having uh, a, a mind that one can manage. And uh, mm-hmm. so, so kudos to you for including them in your perspective. That's unique. Uh, most people, you know, thank the living <laughs> uh, unless they've been mentors. Um, but I think one of the things that I'm really uh, drawn to in uh, our questions for you today is this 
idea of brain fixation. And I know we have other areas of interest we'll discuss with you uh, on self-leadership and managing your own mind. But I, I would ask you, as somebody who has been out there uh, during this, you know, pandemic, and now we have, of course, the monkeypox and whatever else is next after that and that and that and that. Um, we are in a population of individuals who are so triggered by everything going on in their lives and this ability for them to overcome these daily negative thoughts, worries, flaws, and doubts. I'd like you to think about this question. We're going to go to a quick commercial break, but think about how do you help these people, these young leaders in training, overcome these fixations? And hopefully uh, a minute will be enough for you to gather your thoughts. We're going to be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to Leadership Development News. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. How can you be brilliant in the moment? Given the daily challenges you face at work and home, how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at leadershipforuminc.com. Say It Skillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network the bottom line in business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. Um, today, we are talking with Ramona Shaw. Her website is... Uh, 
one dot Ramona, as it uh, sounds, Shaw.com. And, you know, she's got some good information on there. So you can go to uh, www.one.ramonashaw.com uh, and get some more information about her. So, Ramona, yeah, one I, of the things just, we wanted to check in with. Jump in. I, just to quickly jump in, I think that's just ramonashaw.com. I think you scratch if you add the oh. one, and that might not work. Simple as that, Ramona Shaw. Ramona Shaw. Thank you so much. That's perfect. Okay. So from your experience, what have you noticed has been some of the biggest challenges that leaders struggle with today? You mentioned a bunch of things earlier, um, but as we kind of zero in, like what if you had to say that what's maybe the, you know, the one, two key challenges that you're seeing leaders dealing with the most? Yeah, I think there's um, one of the challenges that I see a lot is sort of this figuring out how can I be a leader who really cares and is compassionate, especially as mm. we're going through uncertain times or, you know, during the pandemic specifically, how can I show that, that show, show my care and compassion and have uh, embraced this people first approach while also delivering results. Like th- finding that balance mm-hmm. uh, is, is one of the challenges that I see come up and it shows up in different ways. But there's often sort of this tension between I really want to coach, but I don't have the time because we got to deliver and we have so mm-hmm. much work to do. I really want to um, hold people accountable and or create a sense of accountability on the team. And I understand that I need to be really direct and candid in my feedback. But at the same time, I don't want to hurt the relationship. I want them to feel comfortable with me. So it's this force of back tension. Uh, that I think a lot of people sort of a, a, com- a very common challenge that I see often. You know, it's it, it, it's for me, um, and again, you know, I, I'm talking from my own perspective. It, it's for me a real conundrum. Um, and no offense to the young people listening who want to get promoted and want to be better at their jobs, um, and those who are leaders trying to help get them there. That there is. To me, again, I might not be making a lot of fans here, but a lot of confusion about who they want to be and when they want to be it and how they're going to approach it in the workplace. Now, you just said people want to be more compassionate and more empathetic, but they still have to drive results. Well, you know, we've known about this since, uh, Howard Gardner, right, being an authentic leader. We've mm-hmm. known about this since Warren Bennett. You know, these are my mentors. Um, one of the things that troubles me the most in today's environment is people's maturity level. And they seem to go from college to their first job while they're still living at home and trying to carve out a way forward for themselves that may not necessarily allow them uh, to be as empathetic and compassionate as they'd like to be because they've got to take so much of that for themselves in recognizing where their own focus needs to be. And I'll give you an example. If I'm out recruiting and people come up to me at a conference and say, well, you know, I I really respect you. I want to learn from you. Would you consider mentoring me? The first question I ask them is, where are they in their career? How many jobs have they had? If they're in their first job, I actually say no. And the reason is because my fear is they're not far enough along to accept the level of expertise that uh, somebody at a career level like myself or really may have. Now, that sounds harsh, but I'm being very clear here and very direct because I suspect without an experience level of empathy and compassion, without the experience level of being able to walk in somebody else's shoes, that it will be almost impossible to engage these individuals at a level where they're going to be able to develop that self-awareness as quickly as they think they can. Can you 
give me some feedback on that mm-hmm. and be really, really tough. Yeah, I think there's something about wanting too much too fast and not having the patience mm. to to do the work because self-awareness, I mean, sometimes we have these moments of like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that one. That was a blind spot wow, that just opened up to me. And those are sort of the you know, great catalysts, but a lot of it comes through the the daily interactions and the discipline of self-reflection on what's working and what isn't and what's hard and what comes easy. And that just takes time. And I do think that sometimes we get into this mode of, hey, I've performed in this job pretty well for two years. And so I think I'm ready to lead a team because that seems to be the next step. And and there is a bit of an, an it could quickly come to either a lack of patience or overconfidence. And I personally am guilty of that, was guilty of that too, of thinking, I like challenges. I'm going to figure this out. Not really recognizing what it takes to be a, a great leader. And that journey of leadership development takes a long time, right? And people that you've probably worked with, I'm curious to hear this perspective from you too. I, I can imagine they've, they've led for decades yeah. and they're still learning and seeing new things, mm-hmm. developing greater awareness. It doesn't end. You know, what's pretty interesting, yeah. Ramona, is what you're saying. That's around the self-awareness. And Kathy, you brought up kind of the self-reflection. You know, I think that would be a, an incredible metric for people. How much time have you really spent reflecting on who you are? And I think given what I was saying earlier, that everything is more now. And even now today, mm-hmm. with people today, we don't take that time to reflect. But it's almost like how many hours uh, have you just spent thinking about you, thinking about you, where you are, where you want to go, because everything is so fast and moving and we're reactive. So this is kind of the proactive. I'll just give you an example. You know, in, in early in my <clears throat> 20s, I used to work in these outward bound programs where people would actually go out in the wilderness for three days. And the younger people were, that was so frightening because they were alone with their thoughts. The older people, the adults and stuff that would do that, they love that. And and it would always be one of the things I would ask them, how much time have you had by yourself without other kind of variables, reading a book, listening to music? You know, for most people, it may be when they're in the bathroom and, you know, maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes without Mm -hmm. any other, without look now today, looking at their phone and everything else just being by themselves. So from a reflective standpoint, uh, and I think it goes into what you're saying around self-awareness, that's a huge metric. And I think younger people, Kathy, like you're saying, just have less time that they're doing it. And then given where our world is to really be uh, reflective and self-aware. Yeah. And this is also one of the reasons why I think, so uh, these timeless, um, these timeless uh, books that we have are access to this information from, people who've led uh, and done a great job leading or have the, the philosophers from thousands of years ago, they didn't have those distractions, right? They probably had hours and hours every day right. walking, sitting, waiting, you know, and had time to contemplate and observe behaviors and also listen, you know, outside and it, it, behaviors of others or themselves, but also go inwards and really noticing what actually seems right and seems wrong and why am I doing certain things and like what's the driving force for me doing reacting in the moment or is snapping at someone what was it that really drove me crazy or here's a thought or a worry or um, a, a feeling that I have and reflecting is it really justified or is this a story I'm telling myself and I think you're so 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 right what you're saying, um, Ralia. We we are, don't have the time because there's even when we go to the bathroom, we bring the phones. When we're in line waiting at the grocery stores, we pick up our phones. It's never really a moment that we should. For many people, and I think probably for younger people even more, there's hardly any time there that they're not stimulated by some exterior um, thing that right. captures their attention. You know, it's, it's um, I'm, I'm looking at your website. Tell me a little bit about what the APS method is. 
you developed this APS method for leadership development. Tell us a little bit more about that and what it means. Yeah, so in that, uh, very much along the line of what we talked about in regards to having the patience to build um, to build your leadership and then also being open to this mentoring conversations, the mentoring conversations that you, um, Kathy, mentioned earlier. I think when it comes to leadership development, I look at it as there's three pillars. Um, one is A, that stands for awareness. It is exactly what we just talked about with developing greater self-awareness, but also greater awareness of the people around us, their needs, their preferences, their strengths, um, their, their style, their natural style, their expectations on us or on others or the organization, and doing the same for us looking inwards. And when we look at what makes, when we look at the leadership competences, right, and, and there's often, there's a lot of research, and you probably know this, this really well, too, that all these 20 plus competencies that leaders should develop. But if you boil it down, so much of that yeah, falls, starts with creating, creating um, greatest awareness. So I think when it comes to leadership development, one area that people uh, should continuously focus on from really early on in their career, really fresh out of college, if not even before, is how can I expand my awareness, self and the awareness of those that I work with most closely or interact with most closely. The second pillar is P stands for principles. This is your leadership, um, leadership principles that make up your leadership philosophy. What is, how do you want to, what kind of leader do you want to be? How do you want to lead? What um, guiding principles do you want to embody to then be able to make decisions and reflect on your own behavior based on the principles that you laid out in advance. Because I think one of the things a lot of leaders do or managers do is they never think about this and then they react in the moment. So they say, someone makes a request, someone has a problem, someone's underperforming, there is a conflict or I get frustrated. And it's constantly reacting to what we think in the moment is needed or what we think other people need from us. But that's not grounded in our own leadership philosophy, which creates a sense of unpredictability and uncertainty for us, but also probably more important for those around us. We are all as human creatures, our brains love predictability and certainty. And when we are managed by someone or we follow a leader that we know what they stand for, it creates that sense of predictability, sense of certainty, and it really supports trust in the relationship. For example, if I think of John Maxwell, who is well-known in that leadership development space, and I listen to him, and even from afar, I can tell he has a clear set of leadership principles. And when I think of him, even though I haven't directly interacted with him, I always look at him as this kind of leader because he seems to be so clear on what leadership means to him and how he wants to show up for people. And so I think that second part of the APS method, that second pillar for leaders to think about is what is their leadership philosophy? What are the principles that they want to embody that then guide their behaviors and their decisions? And the last part is the S stands for leadership system, the system approach, the systematic approach to leadership which is probably a little bit more of what we would call, what we'll fall into that section of, or the sector of, of management. Um, I talk about creating routines and practices rep- that are repetitive, that form the system of how you manage your team or how you lead them. And that includes career conversations, that includes one-on-one conversations, that includes the regular feedback or performance reviews, mm. as well as sort of having a framework for identifying personality traits or preferences and, and all those things that people learn in leadership development. And when they go through my programs and they learn something, that they say like, yeah, I should probably do this on a regular basis. I say, grab it and put that into your APS guide because this is a system that you're building. And that will always evolve over time, but um, and they will iterate on that system, but it, it, the intention is to create a set of routines. And we see this from, um, when we read books of leaders who've done a great job leading, they all have these practices that they do, you know, every Monday or every once, in a, once a month. And to capture those and make them work for you, that would be the, the last part of the method. 
So those are really good, and it, it does kind of you know tie into things we know about. I like the systems piece. Um, I think often when Kathy and I are doing coaching, and imagine you also, is kind of bringing uh, questions, bringing awareness. So the A part to those systems, you know, and I think now one of the things mm-hmm. I've been talking to people a lot about is, is first, you know, are they having one-on-one meetings? Cause often those get, uh, rescheduled, uh, and what are they doing? So their most powerful time with a direct report is when they're in front of them, even if it's on the screen and are they one having them Two, what are they talking about? And the whole idea of just focusing on some of these key questions you know, that happens then where you can bring up some of these different leadership styles where you can connect before you direct, you know, who are they, what's most important, and then also where they're going, what's their goals, what's the best part of their week, you know, are you highlighting their strengths so you can get them to do the strengths more. So those are those are, those are are great. I think you've done a nice job at uh, making it pretty simple. There's models that have a lot more letters than that, so having, having three letters or three things. <laughs> Makes it makes it a little easier. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so before we go into our next break, um, tell us a little bit about um, kind of how you tie in some of the the mind stuff that your uh, title talks about. You know, so you have to kind of think first before you move forward. Like, well, how how are you bringing that to people, and what seems to resonate with them? Yeah, so one really simple um, thing is to understand that there is a difference or to, to just really embrace the idea that thoughts are not facts and there's always two things to a story. There's the facts and then there's the, there are our thoughts and our interpretations. And they're really the first step when it comes to managing our minds, I think, is building that awareness that, okay, let me detangle the two things. And when, when people come to me and tell me stories about what happened, I don't mean fictional stories, but they tell me of an event. They say, like, okay, let's pause. What are the facts? And then what of the, what you just told me are your interpretations? We so quick to move that to 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 mesh them together and make it one. Um, and I think that very first step is to separate thoughts from facts. To then understand the facts, we don't have control over. The thoughts, we actually do. We can look at different ways to inter- interpret what's ha- what happened or at least inquire and be curious on whether or not our interpretations are right. That would be, that'd be kind of my first step. I can go further into this and also going back to Kathy's yeah. question of how to, how to navigate this, but we, tell, me, tell me if you want to go now or wait. Well, I think we need to go to a quick commercial break. So let's do that. And then we'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Business Channel. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. 
That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. We're here with Ramona Shaw, and we were talking about how to help make our current and evolving, I'll say, talent into better, more confident, self-aware leaders. And Ramona, I, I hate to um, put you on the spot because we, we didn't necessarily put this in our outline for today's podcast, but I think you can handle it. You know, one of the things that a lot of us are, are getting immersed in in this new age environment are people who are identifying with their gender, the cisgender folks like myself, uh, Rally, I'll count you in there. Um, and then there are those who are non-binary. And, um, you know, I have both a loved one and, and colleagues who are in this, um, I'll say, category of, of choice. And with so much of our up-and-coming generation of future leaders, immersed uh, in the complexities of identifying uh, themselves uh, as who they wish to be, not who they were identified as by a doctor at birth, or are discovering who they are through their own experiences, which is a beautiful thing. But how much of that are we also having to deal with in the workplace that is getting overlaid on top of our biggest challenges of being empathetic and compassionate. And in your opinion, working real time with this greater self-awareness in this up-and-coming group of leaders, do you see any differences, any distinctions, whether it's in their use and application of the APS method you just described or their uh, their flaws, uh, their doubts, as we talked about in the earlier conversation on brain fixation, anything that you can help us talk about, because just the plain old vanilla common misconceptions about leadership are hard enough overlaying these gender identity issues on top of them seem to me to be a pretty complex issue. I'd love your opinion. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I do see this definitely more and more come up. Um, and, you know, it, it, it comes up also in many other sort of initiatives or efforts around diversity, equity, and inclusion where I think at the, at the core of it, on all ends, and all employees, whether they're the ones who are uh, sort of in the position to have to maybe exclude, not, not that they have to explain them, but, or they feel like they have to explain or communicate their gender identity, as well as those who are on the, I call it the receiving end, who, who navigate wanting to make sure that they feel included and also respecting their preferences in terms of how to, uh, the, the pronouns, for example, and being really aware of what's happening for them and, and how that is impacting their personal stories, impacting also the dynamics in the workplace or how they may, may or may not want to show up at work. All that goes back into our, I think, understanding that we are human beings with biases, and even the people who study biases, cognitive biases, inside out, recognize that even knowing it so well, our human brains still have it. Um, so it's not, the, the point is not to get rid of the biases but completely, but to understand that we have them. And in order to mitigate the biases, and especially how they impact us, which again goes back to managing our minds, to look and appreciate for each other's differences in all aspects. I think in the past, you know, long uh, decades ago, um, we were not uh, even having to talk about the different strengths, or not much, I'd say, maybe more than a few decades ago. But it was, it was more of the machine or the factory approach. Then we started to recognize 
more and more, or at least bring up in conversations. Yeah, no, you know, let's look at strength-based focus and, and individual preferences and how can we leverage those in the workplace and be really inclusive. And now we're expanding that into all these different areas, including gender identity. And um, not being really open to seeing things from another's perspective and come from a place of curiosity will always lead to better results than trying to or to even unconsciously believing that we're right or believing that there is a right way to do something that will never get us the end result we're going for, which would probably be to lead effectively or be a leader that's compassionate and caring and also helps others bring their best self forward. If that's the end result we're going for, any stigma or any sort of shut down in our approach won't get that get us that that result curiosity appreciation so, for differences is um the way to go in my opinion so ramona you're bringing up a, a a big focus or big you know kind of first principle that i think we are trying to teach um you know one to coaches you know both kath and i are on the faculty of a coaching school college executive coaching is this got popularized by Ted Lasso. Um, be curious, mm-hmm. not judgmental. And about mm-hmm. 10 years ago, um, I had an individual that I was coaching that was in the midst of becoming a woman, so a transgender. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was before it got ever popular, popular, and the whole organization really wasn't ready. And, and over the holiday break with the holidays, Christmas and New Year's, the person came back as a woman and, you know, for the whole organization, about 200 plus people. And it was just, mm-hmm. you know, pretty fascinating and, and a lot of chaos about kind of how to deal with that. But this whole idea of judgmental, the president at that point in his coaching was saying, I cannot, I cannot look at her uh, because of his own, ideas and, and, you know, the judging of that that went back to kind of his upbringing. And so I think this whole idea of we can lean on being curious and being open and trying to understand more, it at least allows people to be appreciated. And some of that, you know, um, idea of everybody being valued for who they are. Uh, and I think it's always a work in progress. And, and uh, gratefully now, it's a lot more uh, we have a lot more awareness and it's a lot more out there than it was, you know, 10 years ago. So mm-hmm. before we go uh, too much further, tell us a little bit about kind of what you have in regards to, you know, practicing stoic and you're working on a book around stoic leadership. Yeah. So, you know, the, what I noticed as I developed um, or, or stepped into this whole field of leadership development is a lot of the concepts, that we're talking about um, when it comes to emotional intelligence, for example, managing our minds, vulnerability, compassion, courage. A lot of these tie right back into the text that I was reading around Stoicism or from from Stoics that we now have access to their readings to. And I find it really interesting that so much is seems to be so timeless and is now brought into the leadership development or the, even a professional development space. And uh, a lot of people don't know, oh, really read stoic texts, the things that are quotable or tweetable now, they're actually things that someone said thousands of years ago. It wasn't a new invention today. This is not something that we've just stumbled right. upon because of um, research in the field of psychology or neuroscience and so forth. These were things that were said thousands of years ago, and I found this really fascinating and um, noticed how much actually my personal hey, desire to study. Yeah. Ramona? Yeah. Why don't you give yeah. us a couple of examples? Because I think we only got a couple of minutes. Yes. Okay. So, who you an example about? is the dichotomy. Yeah. So, the dichotomy of control is a specific example of looking at what is within our control and what is not within our, our control. And how can we focus on the things that we can control, including our thoughts, for example, when it comes to the worry or anxiety, right? Versus trying to control things that are out that are beyond. Another one would be this idea of uh, accepting what is and 
uh, not try to change reality. And if I bring that back to even the conversation we had a minute ago, if I have someone who is transgender in my workplace um, and I have this resistance to it, I'll never be effective in that conversation or that connection with the person. Instead, what I cannot change that. This is what is, and embracing it, not resisting it, is what will help everyone get, get through those things. And, and those are just two quick principles from way ago, long ago. Another very common one in the startup world is this idea of postmortems or even the, the premortems where we look at what could go wrong. And the Stoics had this practice where they would plan ahead and want to make sure that they're really prepared by looking at all the, the risks and how could they mitigate those, um, those, those risk factors ahead of time. Just as a quick, a few quick examples. And so my work that I'm um, embarking on is looking at for those, those parallels and then um, teaching and talking to, I've talked to a range of uh, leaders who practice stoicism and to demonstrate how or illustrate how their uh, learning of stoicism is helping them as leaders. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm totally fascinated. Go ahead. Yeah, totally fascinated, uh, Ramona. You're doing some amazing work uh, in, in a space that we take for granted is, um, is pretty well understood. And I think what you've been able to express today and at least in my mind, as we start coming to a close on today's show, are the layers of complexity that have now been, if you will, the grid on which what we have believed to be leadership principles that from, you know, all the way back to, as you said, the great Greek philosophers and Roman philosophers and thought leaders all the way up to our heroes of today who all of us you know know and love in the books and podcasts and blogs that that we're familiar with uh, know about leadership and what we really know is it's a constant evolving process it's part mindset it's part understanding ourselves and our self-awareness and to a large part, it's also the environment in which that leadership is delivered. So thank you. Thank you for being here today and contributing to the success of all of us, and especially our mission here at Leadership Development News. So good on you, girl. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is, this is great. Well, thanks, Ramona. And for our audience, if you want more information about Ramona, RamonaShaw.com. You want to be able to uh, raise up your emotional intelligence, go to the website that Kathy and I have, emotionalbrains.com, 11 reasons why you need emotional intelligence, a uh, free uh, PDF uh, for you. You've been listening to Leadership Development News. Thank you for uh, tuning in to tune up your performance. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.